What's good everyone and welcome to Kaya's Commentary where I give my commentary on pop culture topics, real world issues, anything in between, and maybe even some advice every now and then. Before we get down to it, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at kaya.r.pennington. And you can follow Kaya's Commentary on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kaya's Commentary. Also, be sure to hit the follow slash subscribe button and if you're on YouTube, click the notification bell so you get notified when new videos drop. Now let's kick off the show with something informational and educational. 28 Days of Black History Today we're talking about civil rights activist Bayard Rustin. All information for this fact comes from explorethearchives.com, history.com, and nps.gov. Bayard Rustin was an enormous part of the civil rights movement, but was often written out of a history that's, well, written out of history. Let's get into it. Born in 1912 and raised as a Quaker in Pennsylvania, Rustin attended three colleges, Wilberforce University, Cheney State Teachers College, and City College of New York. He later became a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr., especially in the teachings of nonviolent civil resistance. Rustin would also organize the Journey of Reconciliation with the Executive Secretary of the Congress of Racial Equality, or CORE, which would be one of the first of the Freedom Rides, protest against segregation of public transportations. Rustin, because of his protesting, would often get in trouble with the law and be arrested many times. He'd also meet A. Philip Randolph, whom he'd work with to organize several marches on Washington, D.C. as a form of protesting the segregation in the Army. He'd even be named as Deputy Director and Overall Logistics Planner by Randolph when he became the head of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Just to note, although every bit of work was crucial, a lot of these positions placed Rustin out of the spotlight, and many times, purposely so. So if Rustin was such an instrumental force to the Civil Rights Movement, why was he shunned to behind-the-scenes work? Well, Rustin was an openly gay black man, and unfortunately, his sexual orientation was often used against him. In one instance, while organizing a march on the Democratic National Convention of then-presidential candidate John F. Kennedy and his running mate Lyndon B. Johnson, Rustin and King found themselves at the center of a false rumor that black congressman Adam Clayton Powell threatened to spread, stating that if they marched on the convention, Powell would tell the public that Rustin and King were having an affair. Said untrue rumor could have possibly dealt a killing blow to the entire civil rights movement at the time and so King would distance himself from Rustin, and Rustin would resign from the Southern Christian Leadership Convention. Powell would certainly not get away with this when Clarence Jones, speechwriter and advisor to King, fought fire with fire, telling Powell that if he spread that untrue claim, Harlem, Powell's district at the time, would be littered with photos of all the women Powell slept with. Powell backed down after that threat, and the protest would proceed. Still, it came at the cost of Rustin losing his position. Rustin still had a place in the fight and continued working with Randolph, but for that brief period of time that he wasn't organizing marches, the movement saw little progress, and so, slowly, Rustin was brought back in, although not directly involved with the planning of marches. This is around the time that Rustin became Randolph's deputy. Rustin would again find his sexual orientation being used against him when South Carolina Senator Storm Thurmond made claims stating that the march was being organized organized by a communist draft dogger homosexual. This time, however, Rustin would not be outed, but rather supported by King and all of the leaders of the movement at the time. Rustin and King, though they would clash occasionally, would continue working closely with one another, and it was only when Rustin publicly proclaimed his concerns for the effectiveness of the 1968 Poor People's Campaign demonstration that he and King had a falling out. However, after King's assassination, Rustin was asked and would agree to help lead the campaign. However, he'd rescind his agreement when those within the movement took issue with his involvement. Despite the occasional backlash of his involvement within movements, Rustin had his reasons for fighting and wouldn't back down 
even if that meant being shunned sometimes. In a 1980s interview with the Washington Blade, Rustin recalls being on a segregated bus in the 40s and how, as he was making his way to the back of the bus, a white child reached out to play with his tie but is stopped by his mother. She tell her son not to touch Rustin or his kind and with slang slurs Rustin's way. Rustin is quoted as saying, If I go and sit quietly at the back of the bus now, that child who was so innocent of race relations that he was going to play with me will have seen so many blacks go in the back and sit down quietly that he's going to end up saying, They like it back there. I've never seen anyone protest it. End quote. He'd go on to say, quote, it occurred to me shortly after that that it was an absolute necessity for me to declare homosexuality because if I didn't, I was a part of the prejudice. I was aiding and abetting the prejudice, a part of the effort to destroy me. End quote. After the passing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, Rustin would continue fighting for human rights, including protesting for the gay rights movement. After his death, Rustin would be awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013 by then-President Barack Obama and would very recently, I'm talking 2020, be partnered for his 1953 California arrest, which was due to the criminalization of homosexuality. We owe Bayard Rustin an enormous thanks for all that he's done, including, in part, shaping one of the most notable, or rather most talked about civil rights leaders of the time. Thank you, Bayard Rustin. And that's your Black History Fact. Let's kick it into our next segment, Damn You Cancellation, where I give my commentary on this TV show that got canceled that I just hate that it got canceled. Today's show, The CW's The Tomorrow People. Yes, I have a small video about this on my socials, but I wanted to go more in depth because again, the show was just that great to me. So it follows Steven Jamison, a high schooler who is having issues of sorts. So he has voices in his head, he wakes up places that he doesn't know how he got there, and he's never been like super popular but he has this one friend, Astrid, who totally has a crush on him. And he's also taking medication for said voices and the sleepwalking but they don't work and it's becoming clear that Steven is questioning his sanity. So one night he decides to follow the voice in his head and it leads him to an underground abandoned station where he meets Kara, John, and Russell. They tell him that he is not crazy and that he, like them, are tomorrow people, an advanced species of mankind that have three powers, telepathy, telekinesis, and teleportation. They also tell him that they're being hunted by the government organization Ultra, which is semi-ran by Steven's uncle Jedekiah. After some convincing, Steven believes them and then he goes to work undercover at Ultra to help his fellow Tamara people stay ahead of them. So this show, to me, was really good. It was like, I, so I am a huge fan of like fantasy shows and this to me was like, kind of like X-Men or X-Men adjacent or borderline it was something along the lines of x-men and it was a little campy and not all the times consistent but it was still pretty good to me and i hate that it got canceled now i do take issue with the show because they do this they do this love square thing with steven Kara, astrid and john so Kara and john had this solid relationship until Kara met uh, john until Kara met steven and then they kind of start pairing Kara with Steven and so Kara and John have this on again off again relationship because they also start pairing John with Astrid but you know what that's fine they were cute if that was the concept okay whatever I actually think they were cute and I would have rooted for it rather I would have rooted for it more if 
Steven and Astrid were not high schoolers. They're like 17, 18, while Kara and John are like 20 to 22. Look, again, they were cute, especially Astrid and John, because they had this whole, it had potential thing. It just needed to be more developed, like unexpected potential thing, but it just needed to be more developed. And so it was cute, but for the love of God, can we as a society stop placing things that have no need of being in a high school setting in a high school setting they could have been college students they could have been out of high school but not even college students working students i don't know just not high schoolers that was my only that was my only well for the most part that was my only issue with this show um, because I was rooting for Kara and Steven and I was rooting for Astrid and John. Again, especially Astrid and John. The whole unexpected chemistry thing. But we don't need high school settings anymore. We really don't. Now, the thing that I'm so, the reason why I'm so upset about the cancellation of this show is because if I'm not mistaken, ratings were like one to two million a week. So if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't necessarily bad. It just wasn't as great as the execs wanted. And so it got canceled. And the cliffhanger that it left us on, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I need to see where they were going with this. So at the end of it all, they stop Ultra. Um, and Kara and Steven are doing a thing. And Astrid and John are doing a thing, right? However, Jedekiah, always scheming, um, comes find John because Jedekiah and John had this background. So it, the show portrays it like John, it was like the first paranormal that Jedekiah met outside of Jedekiah's brother, who was Steven's dad. And so when Ultra was just starting up, Jedekiah took John under his wing. Now, John quickly saw that Ultra and Jedekiah were up to no good, and so he left. But they have this, this weird relationship with each other that's almost father and son but also you're evil you're hunting me and i hate you so um jedekiah is scheming and he gets john involved with his scheming so john got his power stripped and ended up becoming human and so jedekiah gives john steven's dad powers and now john is once again a tomorrow person however he has no memory of kara of russell of any of them and he's working for jedekiah now who is scheming with the government or trying to get government people to give him money for something so that he can have um paranormal super soldiers so i just want to see where they were going with that to me that was actually a really good cliffhanger and we at least could have gotten a season two you could have wrapped up everything after season two but i needed to see where y'all were going with that and i will never know i'll never know now so i just I hate that it got canceled and honestly I said this in my video my mini video on my socials and I'll say it again the CW to me were really in their bag when they were doing young adult dramas compared to their superhero shows and that is not to say that their superhero shows suck because Smallville 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 walked so all those other superhero shows on the CW could run I stand by that Smallville was my first love and they completely eradicated and blew up that entire 10 season show in five minutes in the era first. But I digress. I digress. I, I'm just saying 
Smallville walks so all those other superhero shows could run so I can't be mad at the superhero shows because when they first started like Arrow and The Flash I was there but then they started getting like comic-like and I don't know if it was well executed but I just kind of fell off because I couldn't keep up so but that's not to say that the shows are bad it's just to say that it didn't hold my attention and that's not even to say that the CW doesn't have um young adult shows now but there was a difference from like 2009 to 2015 slash 16 when they were doing tv to talk about and tv previews there was a difference and I miss it I really do miss that time period I don't know it was special there was a difference anyway truly 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 damn you cancellation for not letting the tomorrow people have its run through and with that let's kick it into our next segment let's go to the movies where i review a movie i've seen today's movie the devil wears prada so this was an unexpected good watch and that's not to say that's not because like i'm a meryl streep hater or a anne hathaway hater nothing like that I just wasn't in the mood for a fashion movie at the time because I watched this very recently like a few months ago very recently and I just wasn't in the mood for a fashion movie type thing but my aunt was like oh no you'll like it so let's let's watch it you'll like it really so I watched it and it's actually really good and that's not to say I expected it to be bad I just I didn't have I, I wasn't in the mood for a fashion movie but it's really good. Let's get into the synopsis. So it follows Andrea Sachs, I think that's how you say her last name. And she's a newly graduated journalist. And so she's looking for a journalist job. And she doesn't get the first one that she interviews for, but somehow manages to get into this like big time fashion magazine where she's working for Miranda Presley, who is very, very ruthless. And so she becomes a second assistant to her, with the first assistant being Emily. Now this is very much an Ugly Betty kind of thing at first. You know, Ugly Betty, she didn't really know how to um, work in the fashion world, how to dress for the fashion world, or the significance of fabric, of color, yada yada yada, right? But Andrea, and even like Ugly Betty, even like in Ugly Betty, she's up for the challenge, right? So with the reluctant assistance of the first secretary, Emily, and the help of the stylist Nigel, Andrea, she becomes better dressed, well dressed for the job of fashion and learning the ropes. Now, when she first got the job, she didn't understand anything. So she and her friends were sitting here talking about how shallow it was. Although her friends didn't mind her bringing them gifts from the fashion magazine office, but um they were talking about how shallow it was and how she didn't want that job and it was a placeholder but you know she's gonna work it anyway and so when she finally gets accustomed to the job she starts missing hangout dates and birthdays and it quickly becomes a problem with her friends and most importantly her bro her boyfriend so after we see that we see that andrea she takes issue with the job she likes the job She's beginning to really like the job and her position there, but she does take issue with how cutthroat it can be, especially when she ends up having to fire the first assistant, Emily, and how she sees Miranda snubs Nigel. It doesn't sit right with her. It rubs her the wrong way. And so ultimately at the end, she's like, I like this job, but I don't 
I don't want to be you. I can't be you. Now, Miranda, she comes off very ruthless, and she is, but she's a middle-aged woman in the fashion world, so she's looking out for herself like anybody else would be. And so she tells her, yeah, it's cutthroat. Yes, I didn't like snubbing Nigel. I don't really like being mean or rude all the time, but it's something that I have to do because this is a cutthroat business. But Andrea's like, it's not for me. I can't do it. And so she quits and ends up getting a job at another big time magazine or newspaper. And that's a very, very, very um, quick description of the movie. So I do like it. I do like it. But I don't know if it had necessarily a clear message. Like it comes off presenting like don't let things change you and stuff like that and be true to who you are. But Andrea was never not being true to who she was. Um, yes, she missed a few dinners and a few hangouts with her friends, a few birthday parties, and yeah, that sucks. You need to communicate better. Be like, hey, I can't make this, or hey, I have to make this, so you're just gonna have to find someone else, you know? Um, but also, we're adults. I've said this before, we're adults. I don't know where in New York City at that you think friends are supposed to hang out every week, every day, but I can't do that. Fashion world, cutthroat business, I can't do that. Especially as I'm starting to like this job and be liked and respected in this job, I can't do that. And her friends really gaslight her. They're like, you didn't even want that job. You didn't even like that job. And it comes off as, how dare you like the job you didn't even want? it's okay to like one's job it's okay to be like at first i didn't like it but now that i actually have a better understanding of it i kind of enjoy it and it's okay to want to be liked and understood and respected in your job and they were really trying to gaslight her talking about you're just this whole other person you're missing out on all of this stuff yes she was missing out on some things yes you don't need to let your job sit here and rule your life like that you need to have a balance but she just got the job and she's still figuring out how fast paced it is so she's still trying to figure out the best way to balance it so sorry if i miss one birthday dinner and a few hangouts like we we can't hang out every week every month sure every week no anyway it, it just presents itself at that but andrea never lost sight of who she was she liked working there but she also acknowledged that it's some cutthroat aspects to this that i just cannot condone i don't like having to fire emily even though emily was kind of like borderline almost always rude to me we were starting to get somewhere and i don't want to have to fire her because I just can't and I don't like you snubbing Nigel Nigel's a good guy and he's been waiting for that promotion for a long time and you snubbed him like I she was not she was never not true to herself she understood that that sucks I don't know if you can necessarily figure out a better way to go about it because at the end of the day that's the fashion world it's cutthroat I'm assuming anyway um but she she didn't change and so when she quits, she goes to this other big deal newspaper and it's like, perhaps not as cutthroat as fashion, but journalism itself is still cutthroat. Best believe you're going to be fighting to get your stories printed. Like, I, I don't know. I do like the film. I do. And I would recommend people watching it. Um, I think it's borderline a classic. 
and I would give it like a 7 out of 10. It's just, I don't know if it had a clear message because she, she was not letting the job change her. She wasn't. She acknowledged that that was crappy. She acknowledged that she didn't want to be like that. I don't know, maybe you could do the cliche thing of I'm going to be better at it and, you know, not do that. I guess it was more realistic the way they kept it, but also not because why would you quit that job? I like the movie. I do. I just don't necessarily like the message because it didn't change her. And honestly, it wasn't even that toxic to her. It's not as toxic as some other pieces of medium have portrayed the fashion world. So in retrospect, it wasn't even that toxic. She, she liked the job. Her friends were sitting here gaslighting her like, how dare you like that job? And when she finally quits, they're like, ah, good. You're back to being you. You know who you are. And it's like, she never not knew. She never not knew who she was. Look, 7 out of 10. I like it. I would encourage people to watch it, but I just don't like that aspect of it. Like, she did not let the job change her. I don't think she did. She acknowledged and didn't even want to do the crappy things that she had to do. Like, she still had her morals intact. It wasn't like something. And that's how I thought the movie was going to go. I thought it was going to go like, oh, she gets really um, conceited and has to be brought down to earth. But no, she stays who she is and true to her morals. You know, it's, it's okay to want to be liked. It's okay to like one's job and want to be respected in one's job. Anyway, let's kick it into our next segment, college advice from a senior in college, where I, as a senior in college, give you a college tip that helped me in the hopes that it helped you. I want to start off by saying what works for you works for you, okay? So this is just what works for me. And today's college tip is morning classes versus night classes and which to choose. And by morning class, I mean at 8 a.m. morning class or earlier, okay? And by night class, I mean like 6 to 8, 7 to 7.50 or 8 to 10, okay? So morning classes, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it do not do the 8 a.m class especially if you commute i commute i've had three 8 a.m classes in my college career and i've intensely disliked all of them now one of them i was on campus for so that was like a 10 minute walk five minute 10 minute walk so it's fine the other one i was um i was online for and this last one i was commuting so just just don't I don't it, it truly there truly is a difference from 8 a.m. high school to 8 a.m. college I don't know if it's because in college they expect you to actually be a functioning adult at 8 a.m. and honestly I don't even have that problem because I'm up at like 5 in the morning okay I really don't have that problem but just being up and doing my own personal goals like exercising and my yoga and my breakfast and all of that stuff and then 8 a.m. having to go to class and actually work on math work because my first 8 a.m. class was a math class poetry my second 8 a.m. was poetry and costume techniques that was my third 8 a.m. class boy you don't want an 8 a.m. costume techniques class mm -mm, you don't no oftentimes I had to be there before 8 a.m. just so that I could finish sewing last week's portion of the whole project because we were working on this whole thing that was a, at the end of it all it was going to be a bag but or 
or it was gonna be a bag and a vest so you had to make your own shirt shirt or shorts or whatever your own piece of clothing and you had to make a bag and so I had to be there earlier than eight just to stay caught up because I couldn't do it within the time period there's a difference even if the professor is like oh yeah I don't like this block either they've been up since like I don't know four in the freaking morning like there's a difference between 8 a.m. college and 8 a.m. high school and you do not want an 8 a.m. college class unless unless you have to take an 8 p.m. class then take that 8 a.m. over the 8 p.m. especially if you commute because 8 p.m. classes you out at night and hopefully you already have like a lot of your stuff set up for when you come home so like you do stuff in advance so that when you come home you don't have much to do which is what I try to do but I also have an afternoon class the same night as my 8 p.m. class and so oftentimes I can't do like set up or prepare for my nightly routine because I'm leaving at like 12 in the afternoon so 8 p.m. classes or even 7 to 7.50 or you know anything after that be aware that when you come home especially if you commute you'll probably be doing homework or you'll be getting ready for bed or you'll be getting things in order for the next day unless you are a non-traditional student and you just have to take a night class don't take the night class night classes blow it blows now i'm a commuter so that's why it blows for me but it blows always take the morning class over the night class and if you take the morning class also have at least an hour or two hours after that where you don't have any classes so that you can get a nap in or you can get caught up on some homework or something so that you can be prepared for your next class or whatever wherever the day takes you after that right so 8 a.m over 8 p.m otherwise don't do night classes or morning classes that's just me um again subjective so what works for you works for you and if you just have to play around with it to figure out what works best for you by all means do that this is just a tip from a senior in college that helped me so with that that's just my little helpful tip hopefully helpful and that's kaya's commentary thanks for listening and watching if you like this episode like this episode give it a thumbs up hit the subscribe slash follow button leave a comment down below let me know any of your thoughts and opinions definitely be respectful but definitely let me know whatever it is you're thinking and with that see you next week